Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turning to First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter thirteen, First Chronicles chapter thirteen. Amen. I'm going to read starting in verse number twelve, probably from twelve to the end of the chapter twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. First Chronicles thirteen, verses twelve through fourteen. I'm going to be reading there now. And for the purpose of maybe some context or some understanding, I'm also going to be reading from First Peter chapter number two. So if you want to, if you have another finger on your hand, you're blessed. I'm going to be reading from First Peter chapter number two, and I'm going to start probably in verse number six, six, seven, and eight there as well. But I'll read from the Old Testament first, then we'll read from the New Testament. The Bible states these words in First Chronicles 13 and verse number 12. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom, in his house three months the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had skipping over to 1st Peter chapter number 2 from the New Testament now 1st Peter chapter number 2 and I will read verses 6, 7 and 8 the Bible states these words wherefore also it is contained in the scripture Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. They were appointed. Amen. For a little while tonight, and I'm a little betwixt and between, really, on what to call this. I kind of entertained the idea of calling it the house that God blesses, but also have an idea of maybe calling it perspectives of His glory. So, you just choose one. There you go, multiple choice. You just choose one. Or if you want to run them all together, make it up. Amen. Just want to talk to you tonight along these lines. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you this evening. God, I'm so grateful today, God. Lord, for another opportunity, another time to be here, Lord Jesus, with you. Lord, in your presence. I pray, oh Lord, you help us, Lord, in the next little while. God, that we can make, Lord Jesus, some sense, Lord, of your word. God, for your people, Lord, for me individually, Lord Jesus, us collectively. I pray, oh God, tonight, Lord, we're grateful, Jesus, that you have allowed us this chance, Lord God, to come here, Lord, and give glory and honor to the King and the majesty of all. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. The old Ark of God, as David spoke of, or the Ark of the Covenant, or simply just the Ark. We know according to the word of the Lord, and uh, I'm probably not going to tell you anything you don't know tonight, and that's a good thing, because if you hear, ever hear me talk about something you don't know about, uh, when it comes to God's word, there's nothing new under heaven, the Bible says. So the Ark of the Covenant was revered as the very presence of the Lord, because God had told Moses, Moses, I will meet with you in between the two cherubim that sat on either side of the mercy seat that is where I'll come 
and meet with you and speak to you. And so as a result of those words that God spoke to Moses, the children of Israel believed that wherever the ark of God was, that God was there because he said that would be the place that he would meet with Moses. And so this is another reason then why we see them oftentimes taking the ark of the covenant into battle with them. And at different times, the scripture says that they were heartbroken whenever the ark of the covenant was taken away from them. And they even said as it went that the spirit of the Lord has departed from them because the ark was taken from them. There was such a close tie and a close connection between the ark of God in the presence of God. There was such a connection between that wooden box that the Bible says was overlaid with gold that whenever even the Levites lifted it up and oftentimes carried it into battle, the Bible says all Israel was in that moment of time would say, let God arise and his enemies be scattered because there was such a connection that the ark of God was the presence of God. That ark was meant to be mobile that we know according to the designation of the design of the tabernacle and the furniture therein. It had a ring at each corner and staves would slide in those rings in order to carry it and ensure that it could be carried and it could be moved. It moving and it resting, the ark of covenant moving and resting was by divine order. It was by divine instruction of God. The Bible tells us that whenever the cloud moved that all moved with it but whenever the cloud stopped that all of Israel stopped and rested and pitched their tents and reconstructed the tabernacle that was in the wilderness and whenever it moved and whenever it rested the ark of the covenant was the very centerpiece of those times when it was moving or when it was resting it was the centerpiece of the tribes of Israel the tabernacle, of course, was surrounded on all sides, as we have stated before, all sides by Israel. That tabernacle was surrounded. Their tent doors, according to the word of the Lord, was directed toward the tabernacle so that every time that they left home, the first thing that they would see was the tabernacle. But more importantly than it just being the tabernacle, that was the building that housed the ark of God the presence of God to them. So it wasn't just leaving their tent and seeing the tabernacle, but it was seeing the place that housed the Ark of the Covenant, that housed the presence of God. See, everything about the tabernacle, tabernacle actually pertained to the Ark of the Covenant. Everything in the tabernacle becomes meaningless without an Ark. Comes meaningless without the presence of the Lord. The tabernacle itself loses some of its its purpose and some of its meaning without the ark of God. Sure, you could remove the ark, and there might be an altar there left and a laver there left, but such things were just simply measures. The ark and the laver were just measures whereby a person could be prepared for access to the ark of the covenant or the presence of the Lord. So everything else was really just meaningless whenever we talk about the ark of the ark of God being in the tabernacle. The tabernacle just didn't hold the vigor and the fervor that it should have without the ark of God. And so the ark has been then denoted all throughout Old Testament history as God's presence and people revered it as so and they wanted to interact with it as so. There was a certain amount there was a certain amount of reverence or fear we might even call it a certain amount of reverence or fear that people had concerning the ark of the covenant. Whenever I read in your scripture tonight of 1 Chronicles chapter 13, it is the story that we have also in the book of Samuel of David bringing back the ark of the covenant to Jerusalem been estranged from its rightful place for some time now but David sees in his heart and mind that he is going to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God back home and in the process of doing so on his first trip the Bible says that there are two men one by the name of Ohio, the other one by the name of Uzzah that are driving the cart, that are leading the cart that they had put the Ark of the Covenant upon. The Bible says whenever it come to a certain threshing floor that the oxen shook, and when they shook that Uzzah put forth his hand to touch the Ark of the Covenant, and he died in the moment that he touched the Ark of the Covenant. David is so perplexed over what happens, so troubled over what happens, that the Bible says that he was afraid of God in that moment. 
He was afraid of what took place and happened. And he even poses the question in verse 12 that I read in your hearing tonight. David asks, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Not feeling like he could do it right now in this moment. He takes it just a little ways over. It evidently must have been close. He takes the ark of God to the house of Obed-Edom. And he places the ark in the house of Obed-Edom. Now, I know sometimes i got to go all the way back to Abraham to make sense of anything. But in order to give some context of what's taken place here, the reason why David didn't go ahead, amen, and do what he was desiring to do in this moment, let's just take just a small little trip. The Bible says on one of the times in the book of Samuel that they took the Ark of the Covenant out to battle and everybody was shouting and they were gleeful over the Ark of God being with them. The presence, the very what they revered is the very presence of God being with them in battle. The Bible says it was in that battle and in that moment that the Philistines had apprehended the Ark of the Covenant and they took it away. And when word came back to the people that were back home that the Ark of God had been taken, that's when uh, Phineas's wife would have a baby and she would call it Ichabod, which means the Spirit of the Lord had departed, that connection that God's Ark is His presence and His Spirit. But David is not going to do what he wants to do right now because what has happened between the time the Ark has left or been taken to now that he's going to get it from the house of Abinadab because the Bible says that the Philistines had taken the Ark back to their land and back to their country and whenever they took it back it had existed at some of the Philistine towns like Ashdod and Ekron and in Gath that had been at these various places and while it was there the Ark of God among these unbelievers the Bible says it brought devastation and destruction upon the those who had it. The Bible says that there were people that were getting sick and being afflicted with, with different type of things which they called emrods. They were being afflicted with these emrods because they had the ark of God in their dwelling place. And here's the first thing that the enemies or the Philistines did with the presence of God. The Bible says whenever they took it from Israel that they brought it to the house of Dagon. They brought it to the house of their quote-unquote God. And the Bible tells us that they took then the Ark of the Covenant, which is revered as the very presence of God, into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Nobody has taken it home with them. Nobody's given it a separate place, but they put it in the house of the God that they already had and put it right beside them. I know many of you know this story. I'm not here to bore you, but for the sake of those that don't know, the Bible says whenever they arose the next morning and went to the temple of Dagon, that behold, Dagon, their God, had fallen upon his face. Amen. And so they go around and they get him put back up and in good order. You know, everything's well. Got our God sitting back up. And in the next day, they went back into the same temple where they had placed the Ark of the Covenant. And he's down on his face again, palms of his hands. And his, he's cut off from, from his stump, so to speak. And they are just thinking, this is horrible. And the Bible says they've suffered emrods now. They've suffered demise and destruction by God being there. And what it all comes down to is a little bit of this how we perceive the presence of God. Amen. Because and I, and I, I hope whenever I get done, this all makes sense, Brother Mason. If not, please tell me after service, okay? We, we, we read then in the New Testament that whenever he was speaking concerning that, that stone that was laid in Zion, speaking of Jesus Christ, speaking, if you will, of the very presence of God, he said that there would be that stone to some would be precious. He said, but there are to others that it will be a rock of offense. He said there'd be some that it'd be precious to, but to others it would be a stumbling stone. Amen. Same stone, but to some precious, and others a stumbling stone. Now, folks, I know that the Philistines are not in covenant with God. I know they are the enemies of God. And so they just took him and put him in the house of their God just like he was another God. Right? He, they just put him along with the other God that they have right along beside him, not thinking anything of it because they're not in covenant with God. So we don't expect them to have a high view of the ark because they're not in covenant with God. Huh? 
They're, 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 they're not the treasure box of Israel. They're not the ones that's been called out from the loins of Abraham. And so we don't expect much of those people. They're, 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 their reaction is probably exactly where it should be. We're just going to put him in the house with the other gods we got. Right? And that's where he's going to be. And that's the concept. And so as a result of all this, though, their, their perception of God, then he influences what takes place with that God being in their life, but they don't have no reverence for. And the Bible says there's destruction, there's emrods, and, and there's all kinds of mayhem going along. So much so, the Bible says they start asking one another, what are we going to do with this Ark of the Covenant? They ask that question, what are we going to do with the Ark of the Covenant? Or if you will, what are we going to do with the presence of God? Now that is a good question for somebody that doesn't know God. What are we going to do with this presence of God? So they shift it from Ashdod and they give it to Ekron and Ekron's got problems. Amen. After God's presence is there and they shift it from Ekron and they give it to Gath and Gath has problems. Amen. With God's presence is there. Amen. But all of them just have a certain limited perspective of God because they're not in relationship with God. So Brother Fred, they're doing, I mean, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They're doing the best they can do with what they know. With the perspective of God. And it's not working out for them. They're thinking to themselves, we got to get this thing off our hands. Uh, this, thing is, this thing is a bad omen. Huh? This is a bad omen. We've seen nothing but destruction and mayhem in our, in, our, in our lives and among our cities and towns since it's been apart. Now that's the, that's the mind frame of these people that are not in covenant with God. That's their perspective. Limited knowledge, limited view. And so the Bible says they send it on. The Bible says they put it on a little cart and they had a couple, a couple of cows that's going to lead it back over into the land of Israel because they, it was with them, with them for seven months and not been but seven months of agony and seven months of woe. And so they send it back over on a new cart into the land of Israel and they have these cows that's taking it over to the city of Beshemesh. And the Bible says that whenever the people of Beshemesh, which were Israelites, mind you, which were Israelites, people that are supposed to be in covenant with God, that whenever the Bethshemites seen the Ark of the Covenant, the Bible says now they rejoice to see it. I mean, we have the people out of covenant over here saying, see you later, we're glad you're going. And then we have the ones that are in covenant with saying, man, look at that. We've been without this for seven months. I'm happy that it's coming back home. Two different perspectives, but it's all based upon where they are. One in covenant, one without covenant. One saying, I'm glad it's going, and another one saying, I'm glad it's coming. Is everybody all right? And the Bible says they were glad and rejoiced to see it. In 1 Samuel 6 and verse 13, they saw the ark, and they rejoiced to see it. Everybody all right? They're supposed to be in covenant with God. And the Bible says that the Levites took down this ark of the Lord off of the cart, they set it on a great stone. Beth, Beth Shemesh was a city of priests. All right? People that knew what and how to handle and revere the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of God. The Bible says that the Levites came, they took it down and set it on a stone. Nobody's taking it home. Nobody's putting it in the house of God. They just set it on a stone in the middle of the field, and they're supposed to be in covenant with God. But then they go a step further. The Bible says that they take off the mercy seat of the Lord, and they peer inside of this box. And 50,070 people lose their lives. Now, I want you to look at what David has a history of right here. A people that had it and suffered destruction, demise, disease, right? Had all these things happening. And now people that are in covenant with God, suffering death of their very own 50,070 people because they peered into and looked into the Ark of the Covenant, right? And so we've had destruction that's just following the ark of God. David decides, I'm going to go get it. But the moment that he gets it and he tries to take it home, the Bible says we have another fatality that surrounds the ark of God and Uzzah is laying on the ground dead. 
And so David for sure is scratching his head and asking, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Those over there lost light. They had, they had disease on them. There were those that were in coming with him at Beth Shemesh. They lost their lives due to the ark of God. And now I've been trying to get the ark of God home. And a man has lost his life. How shall I get the ark of the covenant home to me? Someone say amen. And he takes it. And he sets it over in Obed-Edom's house. I don't know if it was convenient. I don't know if it was close. But he sets it in Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible says whenever he sets it there, it remains there for three months. And the, the story in Samuel tells us this, that David went back to Jerusalem. And David, during those three months of time, started to hear something quite different than what he had knew and heard from the moment it had left Israel. And that is this, the house of Obed-Edom had been blessed during those three months period of time. The Bible tells us that everything that pertained to the house of Obed-Edom was blessed. All that he had was blessed. And David is hearing word of this now back at Jerusalem. His his family's being blessed. Evidently, if all that he had was being blessed, his livestock must have been blessed. His, his, his harvest must have been blessed. Whenever I read just a few chapters over to, to, to 1 Chronicles chapter 26, it tells me about the family that was birthed and the grandchildren that was birthed from Obed-Edom. Amen. It says that God blessed him and that these people that were born of his seed were mighty men of valor. They were brethren that were strong. They, they were able men for strength and for service. In other words, he had a pretty good lot of children and grandchildren, and they were blessed, and it was all because of the presence of the Lord. Now, we got a problem here because all we've seen is death and destruction and mayhem, even among the uncovenanted and those that are coveted, death because of the Ark of the Covenant, trying to take it back home, experiencing the death of Uzzah. But now David hears that somebody is being blessed by the presence and the power of God. God. So what separates everything from everything? What makes it different for them and now for Obed-Edom? Someone say amen. He took it to the house of Obed-Edom. I don't know if it clicked the moment that David heard that Obed-Edom's house was being blessed or not, but the Bible tells us that Obed-Edom is a Gittite. Anybody from the city of Gath was a Gittite. Now, I'm not talking about Gath of Goliath, Gath, all right? But there was another Gath in Israel called gath Rimen. It belonged to the priestly family of the Kohathites. And it so happens to be that Obed-Edom is in the line of Korah, a Kohathite himself. What that means is this. I know, I'm just throwing stuff all over you. What that means is this. It was the Kohathites. There were three divisions of the Levites, the Kohathites, the Jershonites, and the Merites. It was the responsibility of the Kohathites. They were the ones that carried the Ark of the Covenant. They were the ones that after Aaron went in and covered up the Ark of the Covenant with all the badger skins and the blue and such that it was covered up with, it was the Kohathites that went in and bore the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, when David sent that to the house of Obed-Edom, he sent that to the house of somebody that knew how to care for, revere, respect the Ark of the Covenant. You know, it's interesting to me whenever he sends that to Obed-Edom. We don't have nothing in Scripture where the conversation took place between Obed-Edom and David. We don't hear that maybe Obed-Edom, you know what, I'd rather not have it here. Or, or, or you, I really don't have room for it. We don't hear none of that. We just hear it was stationed in the house of Obed-Edom. He was willing to, if you will, have an open house for the presence of God. Because if you begin to think about it, the only people that ever usually had audience with the, with the presence of the Lord was the high priest once a year going into the holies of holies amen doing his work and his service and then only those who carried the ark on their shoulders from place to place amen ever had any type of an audience amen with the, the, the presence of the Lord that here's Obed-Edom a man that was accounted for carrying the ark at different times now has the opportunity for it to be in his house. He says, you better believe it. You go on and put it right over there, wherever it may have been. You go on and put it right over there. I know how to 
care for this. I, I have a proper perspective of this. I know this is the power and the might of the presence of God. And I'm going to attend to this just as it ought to be attended to. And the Bible says when it found itself in the house of a man that knew what it was and knew how to maintain it and knew how to care for it. The Bible says it blessed his home and it blessed his family. It blessed his going out and it's coming in. It blessed his harvest. It blessed his children. Someone say amen. That's how something that could be the same stone or the same ark or the same presence. On one side it's precious to one. But on the other side it's a rock of offense. Those Philistines weren't in covenant and they just made it a part of other gods. That don't work. Beth Shemesh tried to separate the mercy from it. They were in covenant with God. But they try to separate the mercy seat from it. Where the blood was sprinkled. You can't do that. You can't do that. Hallelujah. Because why? Because you look into the Ark of the Covenant. And what's in the Ark? Aaron's rod that's budded. Golden pot of manna. And the law of God. Huh? Which according to the law, we understand that the New Testament tells us the law was just a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Law was just a schoolmaster to teach us one thing. You're a sinner. But the law couldn't correct our sin. The law couldn't take care of our sin. Couldn't, couldn't remedy our sin. And so they remove God's mercy. They remove that mercy seat off that ark. All they are doing is exposing themselves to something that can tell them they're a sinner. But do nothing for their sin. Amen. And whenever that happens, it will be a rock of offense to you without his mercy. When that happens, it will be a stumbling stone to you without his mercy. Amen. And so those in covenant, they, they should have kept that. They should not have tried to subtract one from the other. They should have kept that mercy in place. And look, the, the Bible says they set it on a stone. They are from a, a, a city of priests, Beshemesh. They know, but they sit it down on a stone. Nobody even takes it home with them. understand what I'm saying tonight the presence of the Lord was there and nobody even took it home with them but they were from a city of priests but nobody took it home with them said no we're just going to set it here right here on this stone and remove mercy from it the Bible says whenever they did all this and there were that 50,070 that died these people that were in covenant said, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? He become a rock of offense to them. He become a stumbling block to them because their perspective wasn't what the perspective needed to be. Note what they do in this moment. The Bible says they send for messengers at Kirjath Jerim and said, we want you to come down and we want you to fetch this ark up from us and the Bible says in 1 Samuel 7 that the men of Kirjath Jerim came down fetched up the ark of the covenant and took it to the house of Abinadab and it remained there for 20 years they're the priest but they're beckoning for some other people who are not to come and take the ark home with them but they're not willing to do what they want somebody else to do and they're the priest and all they had to do is breathe word, come fetch it. And the boys from Kirjath Jerim says, you're saying the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah, the Ark. Come get it. What? You're saying the Ark of the Covenant? We usually got to be at grand distance from that. We're not even allowed into the holies of holies. You're saying the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah, come get it. You better believe. I'll be right there in a moment. Hey, man, just uh, don't, don't even go to sleep tonight. We'll be before night falls. If you're talking about you want me to come get the presence of the Lord and take it back to my house. Folks, I'm telling you, we need to have the proper perspective of the presence of God. The proper perspective of the presence of God. I want to take the presence of the Lord home with me. Amen. And understand that what I have whenever I bring it home with me. It's not something that I just keep remained here at church or set on a stone or put it with other gods I have or anything like that. I want to take his presence home with me because I understand if I have the proper perspective of him, it's going to bless my home. It's going to bless my family. It's going to bless my resources. It's going to bless my finances. It's going to bless the health and wealth of my life. 
if I have the right perspective. He's not an offense. He's not a stumbling stone. He's precious. He's altogether lovely. He's precious. Yes. He, he is. Amen. Amen. He's precious. So they came down. They fetched it. They had it for 20 years. 20 years. The Bible says that they sanctified a man by Eleazar to keep the ark or to guard it and to give heed to it for those 20 years that it was in the house of Abinadab. You know what's interesting to me? That no, nowhere do we see in those 20 years that ever anybody ever came to take the ark of God back to the tabernacle. No one. Ever. It's kind of like they were satisfied with the altar without the ark. They were satisfied with the labor without the ark. Satisfied with burning incense without the ark. Now see, that just doesn't comprehend, Sister Sheila. Because the only reason why you burn incense was to create a smoke so that when the high priest went into where the Ark of the Covenant was, he could stand the presence. But they're burning smoke to veil a presence that wasn't there. For 20 years, they are bringing sacrifices to an altar with no presence to consume it. Is everybody all right? For 20 years, they're washing at a labor to do ministry at a table of shoe bread with fellowship with the priest, but they would never have fellowship with God because it wasn't there. They, they needed to reacquaint themselves with what was precious. With, with what was precious and I I don't want to fall prey I, I want to acquaint myself with what is precious because really church houses is more than just altars and lavers and tables of shoe bread and lamps and incense it all of that has one purpose and that is to help get me to his presence it's to help get me to his presence but if I go through the calisthenics of everything and get there and it's not there then everything I've done up to that moment really has no value it's vanity and I've got to remember what's precious it's the ark it's his presence my altar has no value if it's not for his presence my labor don't have no value if it's not for his presence I've got to consider what's precious precious And so here's David. He has a desire to bring it to Jerusalem. He puts it on a new cart. The oxen stumble, the cart shakes. As it puts forth his hand, dead. David might have a little problem because he's thinking, whenever the Philistines sent it back to Bethshemesh, they put it on a new cart with the cows leading it. And it got there and they took it off. The Levites did. Everything's hunkadory. What's so good about them being able to do it and we can't? All comes down to this. One's in covenant and the other one isn't. No, what that means is this. That there's people that are not in covenant with God can get by with things that people that are in covenant with God can't get by with the same things. Philistines put it on a new cart, lead it back, nothing happens. David puts it on a new cart, it leads, a man touches, and he dies. The difference is some are in covenant, some are not. God has an expectation of those that know compared to those that don't know. Philistine says, let's just see how we can get it back. This is the best way. They have no they have no baseline. They have nothing to look back to to know how it ought to be done. They just did it the way they did. David did have something to look back to. He did have history on how it should be done. But rather he chose it to do like they did it. 
But it can't go like that when you're in covenant with God and you have the knowledge of God and he should be viewed as a priceless God. Then you got to do it as the precious and the priceless and not as a rock of offense or a rock of stumbling. You treat him differently based upon how you know him. But he attempted it. He messes up. And so he's afraid. Because he's looking back. Death, disease, death, death. All encircling this Ark of the Covenant. He's like, <laughs> you know, I feel like living, you know, a few more days. And so he asks that question. How shall I bring the Ark of God home? To me. Philistine saying, What are we going to do with it? Beth Shemesh is saying, How can we stand in the holy God around the holy God? David's come to his own place. How shall I bring it home to me? Here's something I want you to realize. David's desire was correct. David's desire was pure. It was just his means and way was corrupted. His desire to have the ark at home, pure. It was just his means. And that's the reason why he says, not shall I bring the ark of God home to me. No, that's not the question. But how do I do it? How do I bring the ark home to me? Well, let's survey what these others did. Those people out of covenant, in covenant, out of covenant. Number one, you don't, if you get it home, you don't set it up with other gods that you might have. Because when you do that, you're given it equal footing when they set the ark of the covenant next to the image of Dagon they were giving them equal footing but they're out of covenant we expect that but David you can't do that if you want to know how to bring the ark home to you then don't by any means have anything else that has equal footing with the ark of the covenant if you want to know how to bring the ark home to you, then don't do as those of Beth Shemesh and just sit it on a rock somewhere and remove the mercy from it and the blood from it. No, you keep all those things intact. If you want to know how to bring it home to you, he says, then you do it the way that God prescribed for it to be done. Not a new cart. Not driven by any animals, but you let it be upon the shoulders of the men that God has ordained and that he has prescribed. Because David hears in that three months of time, Obed-Edom is being blessed. He has, I think it's 62 people that are, that are born. Amen. Of, 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 he has eight kids of his own and then he has grandkids. They're strong, they're mighty, and they're great. And I believe, I am convinced that it's all because of three months of having the house of God in his house. And knowing how to maintain care. And view it and accept it and participate with it as it being precious. Huh? So what's David do? He goes. And the Bible says you can read of it in first, first Chronicles 15. He doesn't just make himself a house. But the Bible says he prepared a place for the ark of God. Whew. And he pitched a tent for it. And he got together the Levites. And he said, the first time I went, it was a rock of offense and a stumbling block to us because my perspective of it wasn't what it should have been. He says, but this time, he said, I'm with eyes wide open. I am going into this thing of bringing it home with the consideration that this is a precious thing. This is a holy thing. This is a reputable thing. And so, guys, when we go, we're not putting it on a cart. Amen. People out of covenant may do that, but we're people of covenant. We can't do that. We're, we're, we're going to put it on the shoulders of men and you're going to come home and we're going to have sacrifices and we're going to have worship. I got I to say this fact. You know, the second time they were bringing it home, they had the sacrifice. The first time they brought it home, they just had all the music and the singing. Lord, <laughs> Had all the, just the music and the singing. He had the right desire to get the ark home. But he just wasn't doing it right. Is everybody okay? I'm just preaching okay. Although they had music and singing, all of the praise in the world couldn't correct what he was doing wrong. 
So when they went back, they had worship again and praise and sing, but they also had sacrifice, but they were also carrying along the way that it should be carried along for that which was precious and that which was honorable. And he says, boys, when we go back, we're going to do it this way. And the Bible says they brought it, and they every, every, every six paces it was, they made their sacrifices, and they brought it to the place that David had prepared for. I'm under the impression this tonight, folks. Obed-Edom could house the Ark of the Covenant not just because he knew how to prepare for it and he knew how to maintain it and how to revere it but he evidently had a place for it God God can bless the house of Obed-Edom amen because Obed-Edom has a place for God in his house does that make any sense to anybody amen it's precious to him it's not just something he goes to the temple and interacts with it's something that he can interact with his home amen and it's going to bless his house because there's a place for it in his house honey I want in this last days amen to have a place for God in my house I want to have a place for his presence and I want to be able to revere it I don't want to give it equal standing with anything else in my life I want it to be prominent I want it to be highly exalted I want it to be revered I want it to take priority I want a place hallelujah I want my perspective of his presence to be right amen so he takes it he brings it home to the place that he prepared he blesses all Israel when this happens he blesses his whole family whenever this happens because he has brought the ark of the covenant home as it is revered the very presence of the Lord. He says, I've made this space for it right here. Folks, whenever we talk about the almighty presence of the Lord, and I want it, I need it. Our church, our motto is built around it. Right? I know maybe we don't say it often, but I'll say it for tonight's purposes. We, we call ourselves, we are First Apostolic Church. We're heaven and earth. Connect. But if you, if a church, if you leave his presence out of the, the equation, the only thing then the earth has to connect with is nothing but earth. Amen. But we say we are the first apostolic church where heaven and earth connect. Whenever David, whenever he, and I'll come to a close soon. Whenever, whenever David addressed Israel about his son Solomon, he said Solomon is going to be the next king. He's going to be the king in my stead, in my row. And it's going to be his responsibility to build the house of God. It's going to be his responsibility to build the temple of God. And I like, I, I was reading this week, and you understand I'm preaching from Chronicles again. I'm still in Chronicles reading the word. But uh, nevertheless, that, that, that the message Bible states it like this concerning that house or that temple. And I love this. It said this. It said this is just not, uh, uh, this is not just a place where people meet each other, people. But it's a house for God to meet us. It's not just where people meet people. It's not where just earth connects with earth. Because the Bible says we are of the earth earthly, but he is of heaven heavenly. <laughs> Amen. This is not just where earth meets earth, but this is where God meets with us. Before there was even a tabernacle, God cried to his people. He said, make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among you. But there's a shift when we get to New Testament scripture. He doesn't want to just dwell among us. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to go to our homes. Amen. He wants to go to our homes. In reality, the building is just to facilitate being the meeting place. <laughs> it just facilitates the meeting place. But we need the presence of God. Amen. There was the old rustic tabernacle, right? Badger skins for a roof. Wood. Dirt floor. But then there's this temple. All ornate. Gold and silver. None like it before it, none like it after it. Wow! But the Bible says the same cloud 
that came down and filled the tabernacle was the same cloud that came down and filled the temple that was so ornate so that the priest could not stand to minister. What are you saying? I'm saying the building in many respects is immaterial, but what is absolute is we need the cloud of the presence to fill the place. If it's a rustic tabernacle, that doesn't matter as long as we got the cloud. If it's an ornate temple, that doesn't really matter as long as we got the cloud of his presence. That's what's precious. That's what's precious. It's not a wooden pew and it's not fine carpet. It's the presence of the Almighty. That's what's pre- That's how somebody in a third world country, 24 hours or 14 hours removed from us, having service with a dirt floor and sitting on the ground and sticks in a thatch roof above their head. Honey, we don't have anything better than them because they got the same presence, the same cloud. That's what's precious. I want to know how can I get that to my house you can tonight we can if you'll stand with me how can I how can I get that thing to my house I gotta have, I gotta have prepared for it I need to be knowledgeable of how to care for it how to treat it it's not just it's just not just anything else in the house. Obed-Edom, that's just not another piece of furniture in your home. Oh. You know how many people would stand in line, Obed-Edom, have the same privilege extended to you that's being extended right now? And yet, the postscript upon the life is, he was blessed. It wasn't just in those three months, but it had some type of permanent impact upon his children and his grandchildren because he permitted the presence of God to dwell in his house. Folks, let me tell you tonight, we cannot even begin to measure on this side of glory the type of impact that is being had upon our lives and the lives of those that come from our loins whenever we allow and permit the presence of God that we feel here to go home with us he's not a stumbling block he's not a rock of offense no all of that's really based upon perspective he said those that believed and obeyed he said he was precious he said those that disobeyed it was a rock of stumbling a rock of offense see that's what happened to the Philistines See, that's what happened to those that were in covenant trying to separate mercy from him. That's what happened to Uzzah. If you'd ask him, they would probably all say, stumbling stone, rock of offense. But it's all about perspective. David thought that to begin with, but what happened with him was glorious. And what, hap- what needs to happen with anybody that views the Lord as a, an offensive rock or a stumbling stone needs to happen. Just what happened in David's life, because he had that perspective. That's the reason why he didn't go on and take it home could be destruction and mayhem all over just like it did for the other, these other guys. But then he realized, no, there's nothing wrong with the ark. This is where it came down to. There was really nothing wrong with the ark, sister Roxana. It was David's perception of the ark. He had to change his viewpoint. Sis, oh, there's destruction and killing. And there's, there's disease. I said, no, no. He had to change his, he had to change his perspective can't put him on the same ground as every other God. I can't remove and separate the mercy from him. No, that's, 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 that's him. Can't do that. I, 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 can't, I can't go about this a way that I know it shouldn't be gone about. No, 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 no. i got to change my perspective. He's to be considered precious. He's going to be said, considered precious. And he is to those that believe him and those that will obey him. He is so precious. Can we just bow our heads in this place tonight? But somebody just for a few moments in time here this evening just ponder on that precious Savior, that precious presence. But somebody just even give consideration tonight and be a David and just say, I have a desire to take him home, and I want to take him home tonight. I want to take him home with me. I want to put him in my home. I want to put him in a rightful place in my house, and I want, I want to attend to him, and I want to, I want to be faithful to him, and I want to revere, and I want to respect him. 
I don't want to put him on even, even ground with anything else in my life. I want him to have prominence. Would anybody be like those men of Kirjath Jerem that whenever they hear that someone's saying, hey, come fetch it, someone will say, hey, don't wait any longer. I'm coming right now. I'll take, I'll take the presence of the Lord home with me. I'll take the presence of the Lord home with me. Folks, it is the very blood that goes through the vein of the church, the presence of the Lord. It's the very blood that goes through the vein of the church. It impacts, affects, and is the very centerpiece of everything that we do. There is no salvation of mankind without his presence. There isn't. The miracle does not happen without his presence. The glory does not appear and we behold it without his presence. It is like the hub on the wheel that has many spokes. And sometimes we get enamored by all the ends of the spokes. But if we would, if we would trace the spoke to its origin, it's at the hub. It's all because of the presence of the Lord. And so it should be considered precious. It should be considered holy and righteous. And that which we long for and that which we desire. It's not the healing, it's the healer. It's not the gift, it's the giver. It's his presence. Does anybody in this house want to take that home with them tonight? Does anybody want to take the presence of the Lord home with them tonight? I'm telling you, sir, ma'am, he'll bless your family. He'll bless your household. He'll bless your job. He'll bless your place of employment. He'll bless you tonight. He'll bless you tonight. It will. Joseph was put in a lot of different scenarios. He was put in a lot of different settings. But you know something that he had? His presence. <laughs> and as a result of it, the Lord took care of him when he was in prison, took care of him when he was in the pit, took care of him whenever he was lied on. How? Because Joseph had a right. It's not about location. It's not about buildings. It's, no, it's about his presence. If I have his presence and I know how to respect and treat that presence, my family will be blessed. My life will be blessed. My going out and coming in will be blessed. I just get his presence. Oh, I long for that tonight. But someone just close their eyes and lift their hands right now in this place. I long for his presence. I long for his presence. There's none like him. He is precious. He is precious. And we need to view him as such. We need to re revere and respect him as such. He is precious in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's talk to him tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.